This is Chris McLean from Stretch Armstrong, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the new scene. I am your host, Keith, and we're back with a brand new episode. And I've got a great one for you this week. We have Tom Sheehan of Most Precious Blood, Indecision, and of course, Axe to Grind podcast. Strap in for this conversation. It's a good one. We discuss everything. We talk about indecision. We talk about Most Precious Blood. We talk about how there was Two active Most Precious Bloods at the same time and the confusion that caused, which I had no idea about. We talk about the infamous Bible incident at Furnace Fest 2002. We talk about Axe to Grind podcast. We really cover it all. And Tom doesn't hold back. He gives it to you straight. And that's coming up momentarily. So before we get to that, support the new scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. We've got shirts over at Death Wish Inc., search us there. Buy a shirt. It's a great way to support the show. And I've got a new review. I've got a new review for us. I'm going to read it right now from Susiopath237, my first true podcast experience, five stars. It's official. I am a member. The new scene is the only podcast I will acknowledge and all other podcasts just don't pique my interest. Oh, I love that. Okay, let's continue. I came for the Tobias Grave interview, but I stayed for the acknowledgement of drug addiction in the scene and the sense of comfort I felt hearing those stories of addiction and that I was not alone. Music has been the only part of my life that has been true to me. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, and it blows my mind how little this place is talked about when it comes to music. Anyways, huge fan, and thank you for helping me acknowledge how important music is to me. Thank you so much for that review. That's excellent. Yeah, I'm glad that I can have those open and honest conversations about addiction and drugs and recovery uh, when they come up. It's not something that's part of every guest's story necessarily, but I do really love those episodes because that's a big part of my life and that's my story. And the Tobias Grave episode has gotten a lot of attention. A lot of people have written me and said how it has helped them, including this individual who has written me, and I love it. I really love it because I was always searching for connection in regards to that because I felt so alone. So if I'm able to provide that to anybody through this show, that's the best thing in the world. So thank you, Susiopath, so much for that review. That was fantastic. And in addition to supporting the new scene, be sure to support Iodine Recordings. They've got Light Tower cassettes, out now. Pick one of those up. The Light Tower EP is excellent. Excellent music. I love it. Think failure, think hum, think good, post-hardcore alternative type stuff. It features Chris Enriquez, who's been in a million bands, Spotlights, On the Mind of Princes. He's done it all. He was on our podcast on episode 131. Pick up the Light Tower cassette. Listen to Chris's episode. It's great stuff. The Fest, the Fest 2022. There are nine iodine bands playing. Nine. 
So if you're going to the fest, make sure you check one of them out. And Hey Thanks have announced fall tour dates. Go check them out if they're playing near you. You can see the dates on their Instagram page. And make sure you listen to the album Start Living. It's one of my favorite albums of the year. You can get more Iodine updates over at their Instagram, Iodine Recordings, or at their website, iodinerecords.com. Okay, so let's talk some music recommendations. There's a lot going on. Fleshwater have a new single out. Fleshwater is a new alternative, grungy, post-hardcore, emo-tinged band featuring members or member of Vane. I'm not sure exactly, but look, whatever they're doing, I love it. They had a three-song EP come out, I think, during the pandemic. That was fantastic. They've got their debut LP coming out November 4th, and they've got a new single available now for your listening pleasure. It's called Kiss the Ladder. It's great. It's great, and I can't wait to hear the record. I'm highly anticipating that. Anxious have a new single out, Sunsign. Anxious can do no wrong. They're one of my favorite new bands. And Blink-182, the original lineup with Mark, Tom, and Travis, is back. They will be on tour, and they have none other than Turnstile opening up for them. That is a massive tour. That is a massive tour. I would like to go to that. I don't know if I will, because I get so anxious doing anything these days, but listen, that's a great tour. And Blink have said that they have a new album coming, and they've called it the best of their career, and I hope they're right. You know, I've been like reading more about Blink-182 recently, and just listening to the records I didn't listen to, and the prospect of a new album with this classic lineup is very exciting. I hope the album is awesome, and I can't wait to hear more. Also, shout out to Hope's Fall. Hope's Fall are celebrating 20 years of the satellite years. October 15th marks 20 years. It's a defining record for the band, and it's awesome. So I always give that a spin again around this time of year. If you're interested in hearing more Hope's Fall, I've had Josh on the show like five or six times. Adam has been on the show. Ryan has been on the show. You know what else came out 20 years ago on October 15th, 2002? Jets to Brazil, Perfecting Loneliness. I think that might be my current favorite of theirs. It's the one I go back to the most. And it's a classic, an absolute classic. So give it a listen if you have not heard it. All right, so check back in with me in segment three. We'll check in with each other. I'll talk about how I'm doing. But right now, we are going to speak to Tom Sheehan. Enjoy.
right. We are here now with Tom Sheehan. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to have you here, Tom. You know, I've been anticipating this conversation. We've got a big Most Precious Blood gig coming up at Furnace Fest, and you are a fellow big-time podcaster, so I'm very interested in talking to you about that. But first, Tom, let me ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, but we need to go back because MPB is not playing Furnace Fest. Why? We canceled. What? Yes. What? Yes. We have breaking news, folks. We have breaking news. Tom, lay it on us. What happened? We canceled like two weeks ago. It, it, we were overjoyed to be able to play. And then once like it got to like August, and we're like, oh, we haven't practiced yet. Oh, this person lives in California. This person lives in Atlanta. This person lives here. It was like, I don't think we're going to be able to get it together. And I don't want to like kind of half-ass it. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, so we canceled like maybe two weeks ago and, and they did like that. Uh, they did the kind of like a battle of the band type thing to take our spot. Uh, oh, that's what that was about. That's I why. See. Yeah. yeah. It was but it worked out. But yeah. So hopefully we'll play next year. But like, I guess it, it just kind of getting wrangling five adults into a room that don't do it very often. It's pretty tough. And just the geographic stuff. It was just like, oh, man, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this and do it right. Yeah, it, it it's so hard to make plans as an adult. Like my band is talking about hanging out together because we never hang out. We just practice and that's it. And we, we cannot, we can't do it. We just can't, we can't even just plan one night to hang out. It hasn't happened yet. It's incredible as you get older, how how, how much di- more difficult it is to just kind of like get to, to, you can't find two hours on a Saturday to get together and play songs that you've played for 20 years. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we're not playing. So I was like, I hope this doesn't totally screw up Keith's scheduling. and Most Precious Blood, I'm guessing Furnace Fest reached out and said, hey, play the show. And then we wanted to play it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it was like, um, we had a bit of a, an incident the last time we played there. So when people, when last year's came up and then this year's people were like, you guys should play. And I was like, there's not a shot that they'll ever ask us back there. So they did ask you to play. They did. They did. And, um, Ryan and both, both Ryan and Chad reached out to us. Now the incident you're referring to is the infamous 2003 most precious blood set at Furnace Fest where Bibles were ripped up by people in the crowd and thrown all over the place, and other people got upset, and this was pinned on most precious blood, right? But set, let's set the record straight, Tom. Tell the people what actually happened. So, yeah, so it was 2002. I mean, I think we, we didn't supply we, – we supplied the, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily supply the Bibles. At the time – it's it, you know I I always talk about folks with this and it's different for being like a, a a New Yorker and like a Northeasterner like religion isn't as as pressing a thing as it is every, like down south so like for folks down there it's actually like a daily thing that they they could be fighting against so it's like it's hard for me to be like how how dare you take this stand but I think um, yeah at the time we we're like wow this is pr- I cannot you know imagine this is happening thinking about like all like my Irish Catholic family being like, I can't believe this is what you do on the weekends. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was, you know, I would be hypocritical to be like, you know, it wasn't us. It was all them. And we were just there to rock, you know, like some other bands have done that. And I think that's corny. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they chose our band to do that during. I see. You know what I mean? Like we definitely provided some of the, the, you know, the music that made people feel that way. They didn't do it during other bands. They just did it during us. So like, so you weren't, uh, you weren't, 
backstage handing out Bibles before the set, but you weren't exactly like discouraging such actions either. Well, I mean, I you know, in the middle of everything, it's hard to like calm people down. Yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, in retrospect, I would, I, 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 I mean, especially in the, the culture we live in now, I just want people to respect, you know, someone else, you know, if that's their beliefs, that's their belief. I mean, I, it's not for me, but I think, you know, I wouldn't, I don't, I, you know, if someone took like the minor threat discography and started burning it, I'd probably be pissed too or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it, so it was, it was a tough situation, but like they were super cool about it and like we're like, we'd be thrilled to have you back. And, um, I guess they had asked a member and, and so MPB has got a very convoluted history. So I think when they asked, they asked Rachel and Rachel's like, Oh, our drummer lives in Indonesia, which is true. And, uh, there, so then I keep getting messages like, why do you keep turning down furnace fest? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it ended up being, they were asking for like the, the, the original version of MPB, which was me, which was involved in that thing. And not like th- there's a version of Most Precious Blood that lasted a lot longer than my version, you know. So like I think she assumed they were asking for that version, but they were actually asking for the older version, who was involved in the the fracas in uh, 2002. So they finally got the the word got to me and to to Matt Miller about you know asking us to play, and we're like that would be cool, you know. Let's look at the dates, and we just asked if we could play like a Saturday, just knowing like everyone's like life and work schedules and stuff. And then it ended up being like the lineup came out, and I was like. Oh, this it was like a I'm so bummed that we're not playing because it was a complete like bucket list um lineup, a show like lineup, you know, the whole weekend, but especially Saturday, like to be able to play with like Sunday Day Real Estate and Pedro the Lion and Cursive. It's like when is that ever gonna happen for any of my bands again? You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like we can play with Earth Crisis tomorrow, but I can't play with you know Pedro the Lion, like one of my favorite musicians. Like Vazan is a f- incredible. Like I wouldn't be able to when am I ever going to get my hardcore band's never going to open for him? If you can't make it happen, you can't make it happen. You don't want to half-ass it and you don't want to be bad, right? Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, like, especially as you get older, like you, you have to be that much like better, I think. Yeah. Because I feel like people assume that you're going to be whack because you're like, of course you're going to be terrible. You're mid forties and you're playing hardcore, <laughs> you know? So like, you have to be like, all right, well now we're going to be awesome. But like, if we weren't going to be awesome, I, 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 you know, that's a big room. That's not like us playing like a DIY spot in front of 200 kids that if we're like a little sloppy it's still fun it's a big crowd no matter what stage you're on exactly right so it's like oh this could go sideways somebody forgets a part and then we're standing there twiddling our thumbs in front of i don't know thousand people ten thousand people whatever it might be whatever how many people come to these things you know i haven't played a live gig since 2016 and i still have that nightmare weekly oh it's a it's the worst nightmare and i've had i've lived it <laughs> and it's like like drummers just stop playing in the middle of a song and like we all just stop and look at him it's like what it we've played this song probably a thousand times so that's actually happened to you that's happened to me yeah uh at the it was either I, it might have been in philly it was either in philly or in worcester it was it was either at the trocadero or at the palladium like our drummer just like literally just stopped playing and it was like very overt that he was like i don't know where this goes anymore wow and like yeah, like, I mean, we were, you know, it was a big show. It was like, you know, uh, those rooms are pretty big. And he's just like, Rift kept going. Drums just fleet, like, we just kind of dropped. <laughs> we're like, and I just looked at it and I was like, yo, what the? F-? And he was just like, yeah, I just totally, I, I couldn't remember it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you just move on to another song or what? We, st- you know, like, we kind of tried to make it as noisy and weird. Like, we went into our Sonic Youth bag to make it sound like it made sense. And then we stopped and went into another song. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. 
So it happens. I mean, people get brain cramps and it just happens, you know, but it does happen. It does happen. No one understands what I'm saying anyway. So I can yell. And if I forget every last word, no one's going to remember. As long as they say it close to the cadence I did on the record, no one's going to tell the difference. That's the great thing about being a hardcore vocalist. You just need to know the syllables. That's really it. I mean, if negative approach, John Brandon doesn't say a word, but it's still the coolest thing going. It doesn't say a goddamn word, but it's still <laughs> so when uh, when this incident happens back in 2002. Sure. Talk about after the set. Do you get pulled aside? Is there a, uh, intense conversations? What happens? Some some band dudes. I don't know if we were really approached by any of the Christian bands, like or any of like even at, I don't know. I don't remember ever being approached by anybody by anybody from the fest either. I mean, I think on stage, if I remember correctly, we did our best to sort of like. I mean, I wasn't like, yeah, rip them. Up. Like, I wasn't like getting anyone like all psyched up to do it. Yeah. I, I I feel like we kind of ignored it, but I was like, this is not going to go well. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like this is going to amplify. Um, a few bands, a band that we toured with came up to us and was like very disappointed in us. Um, came up to Matt Miller, like our bass player, who's like the nicest human being in the world. and was like, you know, before this tour, thumbs up. After this tour, thumbs down. We're like, wow. Wow. Like, Who was the band? Um, Throwdown. Oh yeah, I, I really like those dudes too. So it's you know like they and it was all. I'm like we were out for you know 25 days together and it was awesome. And then because of this thing, they're like you guys are terrible. I'm like what the fuck? I did like we had nothing. Like especially Matt Miller had nothing to do. It wasn't like we were like every hotel we stayed at. We like took the King James. You know what I'm saying? Like it just was like something that happened. Like we were MPB and Indecision were very like big in the atheist scenes down there and like. Yeah. The people that came to see us were, were trying to, you know, trying to start something, you know, yeah. you can't start a revolution. Like not, not, you gotta, you got you know, you have to do some not so great stuff to make stuff really happen. So. Right. I remember be, I was right up front during that thing. And I remember people ripping up the pages and then the religious kids were like picking them up. And I didn't like it just because I'm not religious or anything, but those kids just seem so genuinely upset. And I always root for the underdog and, you know, seeing everybody like ripping up the Bibles and seeing those kids so upset, I was just like, oh man, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. But I mean, in the the grand scheme of things, where we were, we were the fucking underdog. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. That's that's primarily a religious festival that has some secular bands. And in Birmingham, Alabama, if I went out into the street and was like, how many people identify themselves as an atheist? I'd probably last about five minutes before I got beaten. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I get, I, I totally get it. And if, you know, I think it's hard to say, cause I can see both, both sides of it and see like, you know, yeah. it's being like, you know, being indoctrinated into that and like being really heartbroken over it. And I could see someone being like, I can't come out as gay because of this religion, or I can't, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that because of this, especially in the South. So it's like, it was, it was a, I mean, it was a fucking war. It was not. I mean, it was wild to see, you know. It was. It, it was. I still remember that. Yeah. You know, and like it was just kind of something that we never, never expect. You know, like a show or two, someone would like throw out a Bible from the stage. Like not us. Like someone would get up, like whatever, you know. Um, But like this was just kind of like, yeah, like people moshing with Bibles, picking up Bibles, who's burning things. I was like, did not expect this to happen. So is there a formal banning from the fest? Do you get an email that says, most precious blood is no longer welcome at Furnace Fest or anything like that, or is it just you're not invited back? No, I just think we were never invited back. And I, I honestly, I don't know. Did it go on after that? 
There was one more year, 2003. There was 2003. Okay. And yeah. Then, and then I think that was it. I wasn't even in the band in 03. So I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if we got anything in, um, in writing. Yeah. I just think it was kind of like, yeah, we're probably not going to get, you know, don't let's, let's not plan our tour to go south at that point because <laughs> probably not going to get that invite. <laughs> well, it's good that you're invited back and that you can play again, right? Because listen, we're young. When I was young, I was idealistic about certain things, and I still am. I'm not going to rip up a Bible, and I kind of make it my mission statement now to not be at war with people because I think that's what the powers that be want, to have us all fighting against each other, to distract us from the uh, bigger problems that we should be addressing. So as long as somebody is not a racist or you know, like something terrible like that, I'm willing to just try to get along with everybody. So we're older. We're trying to get along. We can just play the gig and get along, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we and we played with a bunch of Christian. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, I was excited to play with Pedro the Lion. I mean, he's not religious anymore, but like, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things. Like at the time, like it's the biggest thing in your life, and now it's not. But it's still, you know, I, I yeah. I mean, I, believe me, as many times as we, for every Bible ripping mosh thing, we've had you know, 10 run-ins with, you know, re- like racists or Nazis or whatever that, you know, was handled the same way. <laughs> so, it's like, you know, it's, it's, that just happened to be the one at a big festival that had a DVD. I'm curious about Most Precious Blood and its origins. Why did you decide on a new band and not to just continue Indecision? Why the new band? Why the new name? Um, well, Indecision had broken up at the end of, I think it was 2000 or no, yes. some there about. And um, like a month later, Justin was like, Hey, do you want to do something? And I was like, Oh, okay. I just came <laughs> out of the band like a year and a half ago. Uh, and he was like, let's do something different. Like no pressure. We won't, you know, we'll play when we want to play. Mm-hmm. We'll just record something, you know, like no, no touring, no anything. And we're like, I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, we, we should probably have a chat before we do any of this, but yeah, you know, so we kind of had a clear in the air kind of conversation. And then, we were like, all right, so we can't be a decision, but we wanted to have something that tied the bands together. Because at the at the rec- time of the recording of the record, and probably for maybe six months before that, it was actually a decision. It was a full band. So uh, we're you know we were kind of going through. We used to, and also to go back, we we used to rip off "Man Is the Bastard," and we would do shirts that said "Indecision," aka "Most Precious Blood." So like they'd have Man is a Bastard, aka Charred Remains. Like so we ripped that thing off. So we would have shirts that would say Indecision, aka Most Precious Blood. And I think that was kind of like, well, we're gonna have another band. And then we used to make shirts that said Most Precious Blood, aka Indecision. So it was like a continuation. It was the lore was already tied in. Yeah, and like I feel like it was like we had put a lot of work into the band and um it was really no different. But we didn't want to kind of just rest on our laurels and we were trying to do something a little different. So yeah, we we figured we'd use a title of one of the records as as the band name and then yeah we, then we just started like messing around uh writing and stuff and then recorded a demo and then all of a sudden i was on tour i don't know what happened well did you say you got kicked out of indecision i get kicked out of both bands actually yeah um wow so let's start with indecision why did you get kicked out i mean apparently i'm a jerk i don't know um <laughs> no you know what i think Indecision was not going very well. Like we we toured a lot to very little return mm-hmm. because like the labels we were on and stuff <clears throat> didn't really, you know, like you'd go to like the the hardcore record store in your town and you like we, we'd go in and be like, let's go to the eyes and be like, oh cool, they don't have our record here. So it's like, how's anyone going to know us? It's like 
almost pre-internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like so. Yeah. Were, you know. Yeah. So tours were going pretty badly. We we had like a big. We got robbed in Vancouver and like got a bunch of our stuff stolen. Got like guns pulled on us. So that was not great. Um, I had got into grad school and I was like, all right, this sounds pretty cool. I might go to grad school instead, you know, and maybe continue to do the band, but not full time. And they're like, oh no, we're, we're going to do this full time. And then it was just kind of like, it was one of those things. It was like a, a, a relationship. It's like, we probably should have broken up already, but no one wanted to be the one that broke up with the other person. Yeah. It was one yeah. of those things. And then they finally pulled the trigger and it worked out. I got to go to school. They toured, whatever, you know, you said you got robbed. At gunpoint in Vancouver, and they stole a bunch. Now, th- this uh, I've read about this uh, indecision curse. Is that true, or is that just uh... we are cursed? No, we were absolutely cursed. Give us some examples. We one of our first tours, we got to, right outside the Holland Tunnel, and we realized that our um, tires being held on by one one lug nut. I've heard of this happening before. Yeah, I mean, like if if you could break down, like you could be like, if <clears throat> you're driving somewhere, you're like, man, this would suck to break down in. Guaranteed, we've broken down there. Like, it's just like we've had van problems, show problems. Um, but yeah, like in, in Vancouver, we were given the wrong, the venue had changed, but our booking person never told us. So we were in this part of Vancouver and we we're like, you know, you're, I just, we're like, we're fine. So like we leave some stuff. We just like go to the store. We, and we're like sitting in a park and somebody from South Majority is like, that's someone coming out of your van. We're like, what? So we go running and our van is like cleared out broken window i always joke like they stole like my fiona apple tape and my straight edge shirt <laughs> what are you gonna do with that yeah so then we're on like a, like a we were on like a vigilante mission going around vancouver trying to find it like we'd like you know be walking down the street and see somebody like with our drummer's hat or like that's our bass player's book bag or whatever so we started getting stuff back it was like a video game we were like getting our stuff back as we went along wow <laughs> and uh we uh, found this one dude and uh we chased him into like a, a deli or something. These two dudes in front of the door and like pulled guns on us. And, and we're like, okay. And like, we're like, all right. So I guess we're not getting everything back. And then um, the cops like approached us or something. They're like, you you know, you guys that got your van run, uh, you're broken into. We're like, yeah. They're like, uh, you might want to get out of here. <laughs> and we're like, what? They're like, yeah. Um, might want to get out of here before it like gets to nighttime. Cause now there are people looking for you. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I mean, like, you know, they were like, but we didn't realize that, like, at the time, it was like this part of Vancouver was like the most prominent, like, area of like heroin use in, in North America. Yeah. It's still, Vancouver is really rough. I watch uh, documentaries and stuff about it. It's, it's wild up there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is like way back when, cause I have friends up there now. They're like, oh, that place is beautiful. I'm like, well, it wasn't when I got a gun pulled on me. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so then they're like, you might want to get out of here by, like, it was almost like the sheriff telling you to get out of here by, like, sundown. Yeah. You know, we're like, all right, no problem. And then, like, we drove down south and, like, we drove down the coast. And we ended up somehow at Revelation. And they were like, oh, you guys got you guys got robbed. Like, yeah. And they're like, go into the warehouse, take whatever, like, clothes you need. So, I like, I busted. I had, like, a, a Revelation um, wardrobe for the rest of the summer. <laughs> it was pretty great. I, I always thought that was the coolest thing. That's wild. So the indecision curse is real. Did it carry over to most precious blood or were you good? No, I think it carried over. I, you know, for f- the beginning of MPB, we were pretty lucky. I mean, they've gone through like, like it's like spinal tap level of drummers. I think 13 or something like yeah, that. I think it's 13. I was going to say there were only two when I, or three when I was, I mean, three, I was in the band from the end of 2002 to the beginning of 2003, two years, like a little bit over two years. 
almost three, and we had three drummers. And it's a lot. And like one drummer was the majority of it. Like, so it's like we, yeah. Um, yeah. And like the drummer that ended up playing with me and MPB for the longest period of time, like speaking of curses, like they were, they were doing like a fly out to like Phoenix to play a one off in, in Arizona. And, you know, they're all like, all right, we're all going to stay at Justin's house the night before. Um, so we can all get up in the morning, get, get on the flight, fly out to Phoenix, play the show. And like everyone's there, everything's great. They wake up in the morning and he's gone. And they, he left a, a, like a Dear John letter on, the the windshield of the van oh wow what happened did you ever find out what happened he's just like i can't do it i just can't do it and like they hadn't seen him in like years i i ran into him after the fact yeah years after but yeah i don't i he was either afraid to fly or just didn't want to be bothered anymore but like he waited till the morning of the show to tell them that he didn't want to do it anymore oh my god yeah yeah i mean and like we got indecision got pulled over like in europe and like like strip searched and went through all our stuff like red you know, you know, be like, did you guys play in Austria last night? We're like, no. And then they're like, you know, they pick up like my notebook and be like, play in Austria last night. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, yeah. So it's like we've, we've run into problems over the years. When you're strip searched, I, like in my mind, I don't know why, but I'm imagining like everyone's standing in a line and they have to take off all their clothes or do they do it one by one in some investigation room? They do it one by one, thankfully. Yeah. I mean, we also had Rachel, a woman in a band. So they, they, she got a woman cop. This is like on the border of Austria. Yeah. And then they like went through all our bags. I had like some kind of like th- throat coat, like tea. Yeah. Because it was like this is when like we'd go on tour for two months at a time. And they thought that was drugs. Then I had Tic Tacs. And they were literally putting the Tic Tacs against this poster that had all different kinds of pills on them. <laughs> trying to like identify them. And then we got stopped because two of, two of the guys from Indecision smoked weed and like we when we were in Amsterdam, they smoked, and I, I guess they had some on them, or whatever. So they they pulled us over. They were like, we're, "You know, what are you doing?" We're like, "We're a band from New York." They're like, "Pull into this garage." We're like, "Here we go!" Like we knew it was happening, and they ripped apart our van, like went through every bit of our equipment and merch, and like so they like line us up, and they're like, "All right, you come in, you come in." So like I was the last person, so I'm like getting pulled into the investigation room, and they're like, "Do you have a wallet?" I go, "Yeah." They're like, "Can we see it?" They're like, "You don't do drugs." I go, "No, I'm straight edge." And like no drugs at all. I go no, no drinking, nothing. And so I like I give them my wallet. They look through it. I had like a picture of my niece in it. She's like very cute. I go thanks. They're like okay. And I'm like what? They're like yeah, you get to go. They made everyone. One of the dudes was like like so scuzzy. I think they were like freaked out by the smell. <laughs> that they were like yeah, you're a man of large account. Oh, we're not gonna. But I was just like oh no, oh no, like this is gonna be brutal. And like like I think as it went on it got less and less intrusive because they knew they weren't going to really find anything they can probably tell like who has drugs or not maybe yeah and like there was some kind of like solvent they could put on your hands to tell if you had like thc on your hands within a certain amount of time or at least that's what they told us we're like oh cool i'm gonna be locked up abroad and i'm knowing my family's never gonna know what happened to me my god yeah but yeah so that's a bit of a curse too yeah sounds like a lot of bad luck yeah yeah I mean, I think it's because the Bibles. I mean, that's if I had to go back to it. Yeah, you know what? I get upset about a lot of things in, in my modern life now, now that I've cleaned up and I'm doing things, uh, you know, better. And the things I get upset about, I realize it's a lot of shit I did to other people. So I'm like, all right, universe. Okay, <laughs> I got you. But I was never like a hardline trade edge dude. So I've been like, oh, you smoked a little weed in Amsterdam? Who doesn't? You know, yeah. but people in Austria, not having it. <laughs> So you said you got kicked out of Most Precious Blood, too? Yes. Why? What happened? 
that I'm not as that's like it's like a Seinfeld episode. I don't it's it's much ado about nothing. I don't really know. Like it was just kind of like oh, this is going well, and then it was like all right. What <laughs> happens? Got, do you do you get a phone call? Like how do you find out? Yeah, so I got a phone call from the drummer. So this is how it's gone. Both times, like the people that have been like closest to me in the band have not broken the news to me. It's they usually get the guy that I'm not that friendly with. Does that upset you? Yes. I would be very upset at that. Uh, yeah, like it's like you could have had this conversation, be like, "Hey, we're gonna go a different direction," or "Hey, whatever, whatever." Yeah, but you get the guy that you know I don't really like get along with to call me. It's like if, you know, that's a uh, cop out. Yeah, yeah, I, I always thought it was like a punk thing to do. I was like, yeah. "That's a wimpy thing to do." You could have at least had the call, you know. Um, especially if you had, if you if you were in agreement, then you should own up and do it. But he didn't. Yeah, um, yeah. So you get like a call, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like at the time, MPB was like a full time job for all of us. Were you like uh, making enough to live, kind of? Was yeah. It, was it, it was going good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was enough to like have an apartment, you know, like live live between tours. Like it was great. Wow. You know, I mean, it wasn't. We're t- not talking hate breed money, but like we were doing fine. You know. Yeah. To live, you know, we all lived in Brooklyn. You know, I had a roommate, but like I still was able to survive pretty easily just off MPB. So it was kind of like, oh shit, might as well get a job. So what'd you do after that? I went back to the job. So I, I went back to um, a mental health, mental health case management job that I left for tour. I went like when I, I quit that job to like do the music stuff full time. And I was like, hey, you guys still looking to hire anybody? And they're like, sure. And like I was like a known commodity. So they're like, you come right back. I'm like, okay. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, I lucked out. So I've literally worked for this agency three times. <laughs> I like work with them now. I know Most Precious Blood continued on. I think they got Rob Fusco to step in on vocals. Yeah, which is uh, funny. Yeah, because like... I'm sorry about that. It is funny because he got kicked out of One King Down, and then they got another guy for the second album. So it's like this, this cycle of uh, getting kicked out and stepping in and all this stuff. It's very true. So the last MPB show I played was in Worcester. I think it was the last Reach the Sky show, actually. It was like Reach the Sky, Terror... MPB, um, Bane. So it was like this big show. It was like, the la- I didn't know it was going to be my last show. So we're outside. And like, I was friendly with Rob Fusco. So he, I'm like, what are you doing music wise? He's like, nothing. And I was like, you know what? Shai Halud needs a singer. He's like, oh, three. So I don't know who would have been the sing. Maybe Gear just left. I don't know. And they were in between singers. So I was like, you should have, you should head up Fox, man. That would be like a good match, you know? He's like, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then like four days later, he was at MPB. Oh. Um, I should have went to sing for Shai Halud. <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't have lasted, but it would have been cool for like six months or something. But yeah, uh, yeah. So Rob, like Rob took over. I guess they did like three records or something. Did you ever listen to the band again? Um, I've seen them a few times. I've listened to the records just yeah. because, like, I'm still friendly with some of those folks. I mean, yeah. especially the people from Indecision and Matt. Yeah, I've listened to it. Do you like it? Do you feel weird about it? I don't like it, honestly. Yeah, I ask because I'm very petty. Like. I left my first band and they continued on without me and I never listened to them or saw them again. I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to see it. I don't want anything to do with it. But it sounds like you at least listened to Most Precious Blood and saw them with you not in it. Yeah. I mean, they just happened to play shows that I was at and stuff like that. And then, you know, soon they're at, like right after I got kicked out, um, one of the, so Justin's dad had died. And like, he was like so supportive of the bands over the years. Like I had known him probably for at that point, 15 years or something almost. So I, I went to the wake. So I think that kind of eased some of the weirdness. Yeah. Just cause I was like, I, I don't know to any of the people in this band, but I owe it to the fa- the dad, you know? Yeah. So 
you know, and to support his mom and all that sort of stuff. So I think that kind of ended some of the weirdness. But like, so I'd see them at shows, and it's like it's not. It wasn't the same band to be to me. And like, you know, they would give me the CDs and stuff, and like. I honestly, it never really did anything. Like, I always look at, like, a band, and I don't know if you do the same. Like, for me, how I measure a band is, like, man, I wish I wrote that. Or, man, I wish I was able to sing over something like that. Yep. That didn't happen. Oh. (laughs) So, there wasn't anything like, oh, man. I got you. If I could have done that. No, it just never really did much for me. It sounds like the friendships over the years have transcended any band beefs there may have been. And I, I'm surprised because I'm just thinking about it in terms of me. I, I used to really hold a grudge bad. And maybe you did, but this is twice that you're kicked out of the band, twice that you're kicked out by not your best friend in the band. They get somebody else to do it. And the bands continue on and there's some beef, but it sounds like you managed to work through it, which is good. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, growing up, like we were like, we, had just, we were fr- like friend, a friend group that happened to start a band. Yeah. So it was kind of like, well, you know, if I don't hang out with these folks, well, then I can't hang out with these 10 other folks because they're also my friends from high school. Like all these people that I grew up with that was like, well, this is weird. It wasn't uh-huh. just like a band of like people from the scene. It was like, oh, these are people that I like went to high school with. We decided on a lark to sort of band. But like we all had the same friend group. So it's like, you know, I mean, how many, you know, so it's like, so that was kind of strange. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, over the years, it's sort of like. I could let the, I mean, I definitely hold grudges, you know, and I still hold a grudge. I'd be lying if I, if I said I didn't, but like, I think, you know, it would only, how, how it would only hurt me if I held a grudge. It was like, I enjoy playing those songs and people seem to enjoy watching us play those songs. So it's like, who am I really screwing over by being like, fuck those guys. I'm doing myself damage because it's like, I get to do it once a year and, and I have a blast. So like, there's, I'm not, I would never, you know, be like, all right, I'm going to take off. Or quit my job for a month so I can go on tour. Like, that's gone. But, like, to be able to, like, you know, get an, a, an opportunity, like, to play something like Furnace Fest or, like, play, you know, a show or two a year, I'd be foolish to 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 let any grudges, like, kind of stop me from doing something that I really enjoy. That's good. That's good. That's a mature attitude. Something I myself am, try- am trying to develop. It's tough. It's not easy. I mean, believe me. And it's, and it's taken a long time. And, you know, and it's still kind of rare, you know, rears its ugly head every once in a while. You know, I go, man, but, you know, ultimately it's, it's fun. So like, I'd be foolish to not partake in that. And it, I feel like I didn't get to, to enjoy most of it. Like indecision MP, MPB, like MPB was good. Like we had a, we did pretty well throughout the time. Like once the record came out, but like indecision, no one cared. Nobody cared. I feel, I'm surprised to hear you say that because I saw the name indecision a lot. I know people, a lot of people who really love you guys. I mean, why didn't it do so well? What do you uh, What do you mean specifically? Like, I mean, like we would tour and play like in front of ten people almost everywhere. Really? Yeah, I mean, we toured every summer with Silent Majority, and like both of both of our bands played in front. Like, we played in front of each other and maybe another ten people. Wow, it was brutal. I mean, some places were good, but most of the time it was pretty bad, you know. And like, so it's kind of like you know, over the years, like Indecision does better than MPB now, which is funny. You know what I mean? It's just. MPB was like when we started. Once the the Trusco record came out, like we always did pretty well. We got a good tours. People seemed to come out and all that sort of stuff. But the decision was like such a struggle that I never really. They did a. They got you know on some tours after that, but I felt like I never got to to really enjoy the fruits of my labor and get to do like all these like you know get to tour with AFI or all the sort of stuff that they got to do. That must have been tough. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I remember like the first first show they played after they kicked me out was with. Um, 
was agnostic front and dropkick Murphy's at, oh. in, in Manhattan. I was like, God damn it. I was like, you know, I was like, I would have gone to this if I wasn't playing it, but now I'm not playing it, but I can't go to it. So you couldn't play and you couldn't go. Yeah. That was, well, I mean, I felt weird going. Yeah. The first time I saw them, and this is always like the funniest story, like they played, there was a festival in that I was, we were like, I, we were booked to play called um, Alive and Well Festival in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And um, big, you know, it was like the Misfits and Sick of It All, Underdog, VOD. It was like a huge fest, the two-day thing. And I still went. And it was like their first or second show right after I was out of the band. And um, I like, I show up and like, Fury, like the dudes from Fury of Five are like, fuck happened? And I'm like, they kicked me out. They're like, do you want us to clear the stage? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And they're like, We'll take them all off the stage if you want. I was like, ah, no, I no, I appreciate it, um, but nah, I couldn't. I, I I don't know if I could do that. Like, Rachel, there's a woman up there. I can't do that. And like, there, so there ended up being um, an indecision documentary that you see me and two of the guys from Figure Five in front of the stage while they're playing because like they literally stood with me the entire time and watched them from five feet away. I wouldn't have been able to play. I would have been terrified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know if those dudes – but I just remember being like, this is hilarious. Like, this is amazing that, like, these dudes would literally just beat up everyone on stage because of them kicking me. And, like, you can see us in the bottom half of the – bottom left-hand side of the video. And, like, and indecisions, like, the over the, – the kind of – the um, voiceovers, like, here's, like, our first show, big show. We're all shit in our pants. And I was like, meanwhile, there's half a Fury of Five standing next to me, <laughs> like, 10 feet from you in your eye, it, definitely within, like, your view, you know? Think about it. Having Fury of Five at your disposal, that's a literal superpower. Oh, I mean, I could have, I would have been like, him, get that person too. Like, I was, yeah, I felt like I, I was the, the toughest guy, you know, third toughest guy in the room. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, it was always, they were always, night, you know, we we played a ton of stuff with Fury. So they were always fucking cool. I'm glad awesome. they're all back. Yeah. When is the last time you played a gig with Most Precious Blood? The last time we played was 2019. What show was it? It, it was a Back to School Jam. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was the last back to school jam. It was like Marjorie D and Folly. So yeah, we since I've been out, we played three times ever. Once was an impromptu show in 2016 in Atlanta. Indecision was flying down to play the last Foundation show, and they were doing like a locals only show the night before, like under all fake names. And um, the bass player from MPB was going to miss the Indecision show because he had a he was he had a, he had to work a wedding. So he's like, "You guys want to play a couple of songs on this set?" I'm like, okay. So we we literally like flew down, went across the street to, to one of the dudes from Foundations, like practice space, played the five songs through once, and then ended up playing. And it was like crazy, like nuts, like people, everyone, like it was all. I mean, I think it was like a poorly held secret that we were playing. So then it was like that was fucking cool, and and everyone, you know, everyone in New York were like, yeah, what the fuck, like how. How does this happen and not happen in New York? And then we're like, well, you know, it's like an anniversary of the record. We could do that. And so we started working on that. And then the other MPB, same MPB pretty much, booked This Is Hardcore in the in the meantime. The other MPB. Yeah. So the Rob MPB played This Is Hardcore that same year. So it was like MPB in April with me, MPB with Rob in July or August, whatever it was that year. Is that weird? I'd feel like I was in an open relationship. I wouldn't like that. It was super weird. Yeah. But like the drummer was different, the rest of the, the musicians were the same. And then Does that we, still happen? Like is there still two MPBs out there? I don't know. I don't know about the other MPB. 
Yeah, I would. I wouldn't like that. I would. I would try to put a stop to that. Well, he tried. <laughs> Wait, uh, who tried? Rob did. He tried to put a stop to your MPB. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's not mine. And we, so we make it very clear, like who's playing. Yeah. You know, so people don't show up thinking they're going to see him and they see me. Yeah. And like we did. Um. So we did a 15th anniversary of the the one record I was on, and he he like called the venue to complain. Why? Because he didn't want me using the want us using the name, which is our name to begin with. But you came up with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> funny. And like he gave and like he gave Rachel our time and stuff like that. And it was like they wanted us to call it nothing in vain. I'm like, I'm not doing that. It's stupid. Yeah. Like just put like MPB nothing in vain anniversary show. People were going to know it or not know it. And I was like, and it's in Brooklyn. I don't think anyone's going to show up and see me instead of him and be like, oh man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then we played one other show. Yeah, we played the Back to School Jam, and that was it. So I hadn't been for a while because, you know, all the kind of rigmarole of having to deal with that kind of bullshit and just to make sure that, you know, people like, which version's showing up? And I'm like, that's awful. We don't want to do that. Would you call a venue to try to get Rob not to play a show? No. <laughs> no. I didn't think so. Yeah, but I just so happy, like, the, the booking, the guy who booked the venue was, like, a friend of mine. He was like, by the way, this guy's been freaking out. How is it with Rob? What if you saw him tomorrow? Would it be cool, or would you pretend not to know him, or would you just say hi and pretend everything's okay? Um, I wouldn't ignore him. Yeah. No, I'd probably be like, hey, bud. That's what I try to do now. I Like, even if uh, there's beef, I used to just, like make a big scene as in like, Hey, you, I don't like you. And here are the reasons why. And I would like actually say stuff like that. But now I do the American thing where you, you might not like the person, but you see them and you say hi and that's it. Yeah. I'm not going to have like, how's your life? Like, I'm not going into that, but you just say hi. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's like, dude, man, it's a fucking band. It's one show. It was at a fucking metal venue in, in Brooklyn. You know I mean? Like, it's not like, it's not pay. You know, I didn't take like rent money from you. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was fun. It was great. And we got to play, you know, but like, it wasn't that big of a deal. And it's like, you know. I mean, I could see him maybe being upset if it was like a most precious blood show in Albany or something, but it wasn't. No. And I think, you know, quite honestly, I mean, if we did, like, we would make it clear who was playing. You know what I mean? And if, you know, but to like, call a venue to get a show, like, you know, they're not allowed to use the name. I'm like, well, I don't know if anybody copyrighted, you know. And I don't know, it was just kind of like it, it, it added more drama to stuff that like kind of made it suck a little bit, which was not really cool. So, and when did this happen? What year? 2016. Oh, okay. So it was a little while ago, but so yeah. I think you said you, you're not sure, but will both most precious bloods still play? Is, is there still this weird stuff going on or do you not know? I mean, as far as I know, I don't think some of those folks will play with him anymore. Okay. I don't know. I know for a fact one person wouldn't, but I don't know about the rest of them. I see. So it's just you now and the band. How much time went by between when you left the band and then when you played a gig with them again? Between um, at the end of MPB? Yes. Three years. Oh, so not that long. Oh, no. Yeah. So, yeah. So Indecision came back in 2006. Oh. So I was out in 03, you know. Went to you know went back to law school because that's what I do. I get kicked out of bands and I just go to higher education. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, there was a a friend of ours on Long Island that had um, cancer. That uh, it was called Ewing sarcoma. That like only certain treatment. Like there were these non Medicaid covered treatments that was help that were helping him, but of course insurance is bullshit and wouldn't cover it. 
So all these bands got together to um, put together, you know, benefits for him to cover his treatment. So like Silent Majority did a bunch of shows. Um, his, bro- his brother was in this band, Edna's Goldfish, his big ska band from Long Island. A bunch of bands come back together. They ask indecision. Justin couldn't do it for whatever reason. And it always kind of like, I always felt terrible that we weren't able to do it. And I was like, yeah, I'll fucking put, I'll put all, all my grief, my grievances down to help this guy. So like, whatever, you know. And then soon thereafter, we got asked to play the, the Super Bowl, like the Black and Blue Bowl in the city. And, uh, so Rachel, Justin and I did it. The other two dudes weren't like psyched on playing. So we did it without them. We did it with, um, my friend Paul Klein from Suburban Scum and uh, this dude Mike McGuire for that plays in Candiria. There was in like Marauder. And, um, oh, Mike, he's the uh, bass player of Candiria, right? Exactly. Yeah. Incredible. Like he was like, he was totally like slumming it with us. Like it's like, you know, we play E riffs and he's like this like insane bass player, you know, but he's one of the best. He's incredible. Incredible guy, too. Like a wonderful dude. And we've known him since we were kids. So like it worked out. We went out to eat together. Remember? Uh, I think it was the 2016 uh, Vadim Tavor annual New York City trip. Right. And we went to the, the expensive vegan place. Yes. That's right. We're Richie and everything. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Wonderful guy. Incredible musician. So he he filled in. Show ends up being awesome. We raised a bunch of money for, for this dude. And then, you know, and, and that was like kind of it. And then, but like we were only planning for that to be this one thing. And then it was like, that was actually kind of fun. And then um, he, he passed away maybe four months later, five months later. And uh, we were going to do like another kind of memorial show for him. So then our drummer, the original drummer, was like, I'll play. We're like, okay. And it was out on the island. And it was like his parents wanted to donate all this money to like the McDonald House, Ronald McDonald House, because I guess when he was getting treatment, like they put up families and stuff when people were going in for treatment, like they'll put up your family. like yeah. So they wanted all the money to go to that, to McDonald's house. So we did that. And then, then finally the bass player was like, yeah, I, I kind of miss it. I want to do it too. And then, so we did like a show in New York, probably like a year later with the full lineup. And then it's been the same ever since. And uh, I'm sure there were bigger crowds because, you know, the band goes away for a while. People grow to appreciate it. And then, everybody's there right oh for sure like the we i mean the first show the black and blue bowl we didn't really know what to expect and it was like wild and then the lounge show i think there was like 900 kids or something and then the the full reunion which was at um the knitting factory when it was still in manhattan and it was like uh blacklisted kelly time and and indecision and it was like six or seven hundred we knew that we my friend like worked there so like we he oversold the place by an insane amount of people um and then yeah so ever ever since then we kind of like play like a show or two a year we usually try to do like a home show and an away show and just you know play shows like for that makes sense like you know if we could do benefits we do that if we if it's a band that we like can't believe we're getting a chance to play with like rorschach we'll do that you know and just kind of so indecision will still play depending on uh, the situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like uh, it's fun. Like it's not a financial thing. It's kind of like, hey, we got this. You know, our ne- like we're playing in November. Where? What's the show? It's um, it's it's actually kind of funny. So it's it's um, so it's the it's November twenty sixth, which is a Saturday after Thanksgiving. It's All Out War, Indecision, Warthog, and Integrity. Wow! But now it's Integrity's first New York show ever. No. Yeah. How's that possible? They weren't allowed to play New York ah. for a very, 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 very long time. Well, there was uh, some incidents. Yeah, yeah. And they were. it was very uh, clear that they weren't allowed to come to New York and play safely. Has the air been cleared? Yeah, I guess so. 
Yeah. How uh, are, are you privy to what goes on? I'm very curious about that. Is there like a sit down in a room somewhere? Uh, are decisions made? How does word get back to integrity? I'm very curious about all of this. And uh, if we can't reveal it, uh, we don't want to make any enemies here, but uh, say whatever you can. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but I think there's a lot of discussions and like people play like the go-betweens. They're like, hey, they said it was cool. All right. Are you cool with this? Yeah. I'm so, you know, and like kind of going back and forth and just a lot of messaging between folks. It's a fascinating world. It really is. It really is. Yeah. But yeah. But like that's like an experience or like I can like, bring it to the band and everyone's like all right i'm in imagine being able to ban a band from playing new york city i, I mean the people that were doing it i could i, I can see it very easily <laughs> oh me too me too <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's like their first show in in the city so which is kind of cool and it's at this place called the warsaw it's like uh oh warsaw and Greenpoint. yeah yeah that place is sick have you ever been there yeah i've seen like dinosaur jr there i saw a bunch of stuff there so cox bar there that's a great venue. It's like a high school gym, and there's like old ladies making pierogies. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's huge, and you can walk like right up front, even when it's crowded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it fits like a thousand, and like the tickets are like it's like seventy five percent sold out already. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I think it should be fun. I'm happy that you're still playing. I actually didn't know, like, I because I know you have some crazy job. Like, what you're like a psychiatrist, lawyer, or like, what are you doing? I wish I was a psychiatrist. I'd be making way more money than I make now. Um, so I am a licensed attorney. Yeah. But I don't really practice. And I uh, I run a nonprofit program um, that works with mentally ill clients coming out of jails and prisons that are like returning to the community with like a reentry service. That's good. That's good. You've got a lot of uh, accreditation, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, so every, every time I get kicked out of a man, I go, I go back to school. <laughs> are you a good student? Were you like an A student growing up? Um, yes, until law school. Okay. Law school sucked. Law school was really hard, right? Yeah, and I like I did a night program, so I worked full time and I went to law school at night. Wow. So um yeah, so it was like I mean I was getting like four hours of sleep a night for four years. But I I I like early on I came to the rec- the 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 idea I came to the realization that everyone else there didn't work. Yeah. I mean these things are structured so that it keeps rich people as the only ones in the running. It's like, oh, work for us for free for four years, and then you'll be able to get a job here or do this. And of course, rich people are going to be the only ones who are going to be able to do that unless people like you bust their ass. You know, you got to work a job on top of going to school full time. Right. So these folks were like, you know, getting up at 10 o'clock, going to the gym and studying all day. I was like running a mental health program for, for nine hours and then going to school. So I'm like, I didn't even stand a chance. But the majority of the folks there were like people that weren't actually working full time, which the whole program was supposed to be for people that were working during the day. So it was like a scam. So, of course, it's like you better be number one if that's all you're doing. <laughs> now, on top of uh, the storied history of bands and everything else you've done, you've got one of the top hardcore podcasts, Axe to Grind. Yes. Let's talk about this. How did you decide you wanted to start podcasting? Um. I did a podcast with Patrick Kinlan, one of my co-hosts mm-hmm. from uh, Self Defense Family and from Drug Church. He he was doing a podcast for for Death Wish Inc. Mm-hmm. called Death Talk, and he came to my office one day with his computer. It was like we're gonna, you know, we talked about doing a podcast to get like an episode, and it ended up being like a three hour episode that they split into two. And he's like, "We should really do one." I go, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> Never think like, okay, 
you know? Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, we really should. We really should. And I'm like, okay. And he, you know, he kept talking about talking about it. And uh, I ran into him at a show and he was at a code orange show, actually, I think. And he's like, let's do this. I'm like, okay. Um, and then we were in a group chat with, uh, with Pat, um, our buddy, Bob, who's the other co-host and Justin from, Clo- from closed casket activities. And we were like talking about starting this podcast, whatever. And I was like, yo, Bob, do you want to be part of this? And he was like, all right. And it was just like, Okay, and then it was like it was called Ashes Grind in the first because it was supposed to be it was based off like kind of off the Joe Budden podcast where like someone would be like the cranky I hate everything and like we'd all kind of we like someone would come in with an axe to grind and then we'd all kind of either back them up or like argue why they're wrong all this sort of stuff. But then like within like two episodes, we're like, yeah, hey, we don't really want to do that. Like we could do a lot more good with you know actually like promoting bands and shows and stuff like that. And then we're up at like, I forget, it's like 250 episodes, I think. Yeah. Something along those lines. And it's going way better. Like, I, I don't think we had any idea that anyone would listen. So it's pretty crazy. It's, co- it's cool. Yeah, because starting this podcast, I didn't imagine that this many people would be listening. So it's a nice surprise when that actually happens. Right, right. So it's so hard to tell, you know, and it's like, you know, and then you, once you start seeing things, you're like, oh, Okay, like yeah. this is pretty cool. Like I, you know, the charts or whatever are cool, but like you know, I mean, the charts is something that you can show. Like, hey, we're you know, whatever top whatever. Like I like on the iTunes charts and stuff. I'm like, I don't know if they're worth the paper they're printed on, but they look cool. Yeah, sometimes I get emails from companies and they're like, "You're the number whatever podcast in America," or "You're the number three podcast in this country." And I don't know if any of it's true, but I I believe that it is because it makes me feel good. Right. It, it makes, you know, it makes all the hard work, you know, seem like it's worth it. How many hosts do you have on your podcast? There's three of us. Is it really hard to manage that? Because when I had uh, my co-host Tommy here, it was so hard just to manage my schedule and his. How do you do it with three people? It's pretty tough. We, we were sort of like just kind of doing it as we could, but then we were like, all right, we're going to settle on this day. You know, Patrick's a touring musician, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. But yeah, usually it's like, well, like, all right, every Tuesday we're going to record or every whatever. But Pat like to throw a wrench, like always likes to throw wrenches into things. He moved to Australia. So now we have to either record very early in the morning or very late at night on the weekends. Um, and we, we, we come out every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. So there's no messing around. Yeah. I don't think we've ever missed a week. So it's kind of like it's difficult, but we make, you know, we make sure it happens, you know, like whatever, whatever needs to happen happens. Yeah, that's the key to success of this thing, I think, is consistency, because you see so many people start a podcast and it lasts for like four episodes and then they're done. Yeah, I mean, because it is an undertaking. Like, I don't think I think people don't real. I don't know if people realize how much of a pain in the neck it, it is it, or it can be. Like You have to like you have to really dedicate yourself to it and like either, you know, record bunches at once. So you have you have some some stuff ready to go or which is what we usually try to do like there's been times like uh patrick was going on like a six-week tour or something and like we literally like holed up in a hotel in like jersey somewhere and recorded for like three days straight (laughs) and we recorded like 16 episodes or something wow it was brutal it was so brutal i was like hallucinating by the end of it um but we recorded like i forget how many hours like 20 something hours of content over a weekend after one conversation, I have to go lay down and just recoup. How could you do it for 16 hours? I would be hallucinating. It was brutal. I, yeah, I don't know how we did it. We just had, you know, like we, you know, we, we had like a bunch of different kind of topics laid out, things that were evergreen as they call them, whatever. And it was just, it was crazy. Yeah. It was so, I mean, it's like we will do whatever we have to do to make sure that 
Tuesday morning, you know, there's something, you know, popping up on everyone's podcasting stuff, you know, podcasting apps or whatever. Yeah. You know I mean, I, quite honestly, and I'm, I'm sure you deal with the same thing too. Like if you're supposed to be up at six and it's like seven 15 and there's nothing there, you'll get the DMS. You know what? That hasn't happened to me, but I've never been late. That's impressive. Sometimes yeah. like we, so we like Patrick puts it up through some other program that doesn't always work or whatever else. Like sometimes it'll just not go through, yeah. but like literally I'll wake up like to get, go to work in the morning and be like people will be like, so what's up? No, no episode <laughs> this week. And I'm like, oh shit. And then I'll have to like find Pat and make sure that, you know, cause when he's living in the, in the States, he's not a early morning person. So yeah, I'm a super control freak. That's why uh, I'm like, I'm literally watching the seconds count down from 8.59 to 9.00 AM to like hit post to let everyone know the episode is up. And then I build in buffer time so that it uploads like before it's posted, you know? Oh yeah. I mean like he does, I think he does like some kind of like, it's like planned in advance. Yeah. But like, you know, like four days in advance. So he doesn't pay any mind to it. And then it's like, when it doesn't get posted, he doesn't even realize it's not up. It's a, it's a very stressful. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes into this. I think people think it's easy. You just get together with some friends and talk into a device and throw it up on the internet, but you can do that, but nobody's going to listen to it. Right. Right. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, but it's definitely work. Big time work. You know, and I think, you know, it's as long as you have a good concept or good concepts and just an you know, ideas, like you just got to stick to it. And there's going to be times that you have no interest in talking for an hour and a half about whatever. But, you, you know, you have to. And your podcast is cool because it's you guys. It's the three of you. You can have conversations about whatever you're having. And you don't really need other people. You have guests sometimes, but it's like this self-contained thing, which I think is great. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we try to go for just because it's like, you know, there there are, especially with three people already, but I think there are other programs that do it, you know, other podcasts that do it so well. That's like, already, like it's already there. Like, we, they don't need us to fucking add to it. But I think we always kind of like look to be doing like, people have been like, it's like sports radio for hardcore. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly my thought on it, too. And that's why I like it. It's fun. It's like, you know, because there'll be times like people would be like, dude, I'm yelling at my car, st- like in my car, because you guys can't think of what the second Civ record's called or whatever. You know, what <laughs> I mean? Or we'll get emails and be like, what about that? You mentioned this, but you forgot to say that blah, blah, blah. Like it's, you know, and we have great rapport. Like we get, you know, great emails and great DMs and stuff. So it's like, it's not like us just like chat. Like it might just be the three of us, but we ha- we have like a ton of kind of interaction with the folks that listen and stuff like that and sometimes they give us ideas for shows sometimes they they'll be like you totally forgot blah blah i'm like holy cow how did we forget you know it's 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 been awesome i've met a ton of people that have that listen over the you know in different places you know and people that like bob had somebody recognize his voice like that's happened to me too which is funny oh that's that, that must be a trip it's funny because it's like oh you don't wouldn't know me from a fucking hole in the wall by my face but like you're like are you, are you the guy from Matt? I'm like holy shit yeah I guess if you listen <laughs> to us two hours a week I guess you get used to my dumb voice yeah that's amazing yeah you have over six hundred reviews on Apple Podcasts do you have to beat the audience into submission to submit those reviews or do they just do it we've never asked wow maybe in the very beginning um, yeah I just you know what because my whole thing is like. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. We, we're, we're not as we're not very professional. <laughs> so it's like, you know, 
people like my buddy is my buddy Emilio. He does like a bunch of like hip hop and like uh, wrestling like podcasts, like well known ones. Like he does one with um, what's her name, Renee Paquette, which like she's like she used to be in WWE. Like he's like, dude, you gotta like you gotta give your socials at the end of every episode. You gotta give the email. You gotta do and like we forget to do it every single time. <laughs> and like well, like we there'll be times that we haven't done it in so long. We're like. Is it at Axe Grind podcast or Axe Grind cast? And we're like, well, one of them is because we didn't have enough. There weren't enough characters, but one of them says, like, we have no idea what we're doing. But like, so we've never been like, please go to Apple and review us because like, we usually end very abruptly because pe- someone's like, someone has to like go to work, someone's got to use the bathroom, you know, whose partner's yelling to get off the phone. Like, it's like, so it's sort of like we don't have like a a smooth ending a lot of the times. So we have six hundred. I guess that's pretty good. That's great. Is it? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't like to ask for any because if someone gives us like a bad review, then I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna find out who you are. Yeah, uh, listen. If uh, don't give Tom a bad review, uh, you don't want to get on his bad side. Trust me, he knows Fury of Five. <laughs> I mean, I was like twenty something years ago, but I might be able to still call him. You know, I uh, yeah, I've been really pressuring my audience to try to get me over 100 and i'm getting close but listen i don't want to waste time talking about that i want to talk about you while i've got you here what do you think about other podcasts do you like them do you hate them do you listen to them i love other podcasts um i listen to podcasts almost if not more than i listen to music ah no i think they've been great i mean i think um i think we're living proof that it's like it's easy enough to do and do okay yeah, that like I, I, but I still hear podcasts, and I'm like, someone has to know how to use like a recording device because, like, you obviously, it's like everything's crystal clear. Like, you can hear if I like moved my seat for a second. There's other ones that it sounds like everyone's calling in from a, a rotary phone from 1982. It's wild, and it's like I can only do so much of those. Yeah, it's wild how much low quality stuff there is out there. You can just get a 150 dollar Blue Yeti mic. And sound as good as this show. It's not hard. Right. And that's my only thing. It's like people that like sort of half-ass stuff like that. But otherwise, like, I think it's cool. I think there's room for everything. I think like there's a ton of hardcore podcasts. And I think that's cool. There's room for everybody. There is room for everybody. And I like other podcasters. I haven't talked to a ton of them, but I've checked out some of the bigger ones. I like them. I like to have podcasters on my show, either as guests or guest co-host. Either one. I just, I want to get along with everybody and, uh, have like a community thing going, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think it's great. It's and it's fun, and you know, yeah, I mean, the quality job that you, I mean, you have. I mean, the recordings you do are great, and you. I mean, you have like art for like inst- for for social media. Like you do like a legit podcast. Yes, like we never. Uh, ours is like, hey, it's up there, six a.m. It looks <laughs> the same. It's a, it's the clip art that we found, and you know, I think it's still the clip art. We had a friend of ours, John Contino, do like this, like logo but i don't know if that's up on i think that you can only get that on maybe it's only on spotify i forget what it is because we're, we don't really have much clue of what we're doing i wandered into this thing pretty haphazardly and i'm glad because i may have gotten discouraged if i if i saw everything that was out there and how many other people were doing good interview shows you know yeah and i think you do a great job and like you know the the you bring on people that you either know well or i mean you do you know, you do like any like any kind of research that's involved. Like, there's nothing worse than you're like, you know, people that go in. You're like, oh, you don't really totally know this person. No, if you're having them on, you have to know them, right? Or and then it's kind of like, oh, um, our whole thing is even when we do have guests, like we try to have guests that are familiar with the show at least. Yeah. So like, um, like we've had like Pat Flynn on from like Half Heart and stuff because it's like he listens every week. 
Oh, that's awesome. So he's like a guy. He's just a fourth person. Yeah, it's like uh, Howard Stern does that. Like, you know, when Jackie quit the show, they they wanted to get a new person in there, and they would have people who like understood the flow of the show and could just plug in. It sounds like that's what you're doing too. That's what we like to do. Yeah, I mean, like we had like Emma on from like Dying Wish. Like she listens, so she knew. Like we don't want it to be like. So then you know, uh, you put out the seven inch in 1998, and then you know, like that's tough. You know, and like it's because there's other people that do that. Like I feel like Damien. Uh, turned out a punk. Like you can like listen to that the, that dude's podcast, your podcast, and like get a full overview of this person. You know, and that's there's, that's perfect. I just don't know if we like. I don't know if like Pat could keep his mouth shut long enough for someone to answer and like get a real. You know what I mean? Like I think <laughs> for a one on one, it's perfect. Yeah, for, for three people and having a fourth person like being the focus of all the questions, I think it's it's it would be almost too difficult for us to pull off. And that's why like the one on ones work so much better. Yeah, it would be. I wouldn't want to have two. I used to have two people on for my interviews. I wouldn't want to do that again. It's it's too much. I mean, we're lucky that we like have gotten to know each other well enough that um, we don't really talk. I mean, we and we still talk over each other. Yeah, but it's you know for the most part we know like who like went to to shut up and let the other person chat and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's definitely difficult. And adding a fourth person who doesn't know the flow of the show, it's like good luck. Pre COVID, we we did them all in person. Which, you know, made it a little easier. But then, like, ever since then, like, people don't realize that, like, people are, like, shocked that I'm like, no, no, we've done these over Zencast or Zoom for the for the last, like, two and a half years. Yeah. They're like, really? And, like, you don't – it sounds like you're in the same room. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's the hope. Yeah, that's what you want. That's what you want. You know, but, yeah, we still – yeah, I mean, we still definitely talk over each other and stuff. But it's like a normal conversation. I think it's sort of – it's it's not it, it's not stilted enough that it's like, you talk, then I talk. Like, this is just sort of like – if we're arguing about something or if, you know, if Pat bring, you know, Pat talks about how he hates the Cro-Mags and I have to step in, I'm going to step in. I'm not going to let him finish talking. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so most precious blood was on trust kill back in the day. Correct. I read that most precious blood is working with bullet tooth. Now, is that correct? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. Uh, I guess. Yeah. So we were looking to, before the trust kill stuff was going. So, Whatever the story was, Trustkill lost the records and all sort of stuff. And some major conglomeration owned all the records, but did nothing with them. Because, of course, like, why does Sony or whoever the fuck gives a shit about a most precious book? You know what I mean? A record that's going to sell a thousand copies, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so we had been in conversations, uh, a friend of mine label that we worked with in the past to, to reissue with the idea of having it out by Furnace Fest to reissue nothing in vain. Mm-hmm. And we kind of like yeah yeah let me get you that information let me get that information and then it never came through and then all of a sudden i saw that uh all the mpb records were on streaming and i was like oh okay so we kind of i was going to have it reissued by another label and then it i I got frozen out until it came out on bullet tooth so it wasn't your decision correct your thoughts i think it's kind of lame (laughs) <laughs> you know because i was surprised when i read that number one because we all know the trust kill story but then i saw i was reading online i saw most precious blood is now on bullet tooth and i'm like wait did they decide to sign with bullet tooth i mean that, i think the last mpb record was on bullet tooth but then he i think he was slowly but surely getting some of his back catalog back but i mean already like most of those bands left like poison the well were gone you know like and on you know uh 
a ton of the bigger bands that already kind of reissued their records with other places. We were looking to do the same and we kind of got blown off until it was too late. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, okay. So now you're stuck. I guess. Yeah. I would have had serious reservations in working with a new label because of some things that happened with the old label, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the label that we were going to work with is pretty like big in the hardcore metal. Like, and we had indecision had done a reissue with the label. Yeah. It was fun. And it was just kind of like, he was working on working on it. And kept getting the runaround, and then all of a sudden it was like, all the records are up on Spotify. We're like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> us. Um, yeah, I mean, we just kind of, uh, it was Close Cascade. If I will be Close Cascade Activities is going to reissue it. And like, yeah. I love the, the work that Justin does on the records and like the stuff he does with the layouts and all that sort of stuff. So we were like stoked. And it's a great you know, label. Yeah, and he puts out a ton of stuff, and he, and, but he also has these like passion projects like that, or the Indecision record, or like you know, like another victim and stuff. That it's like you know, he could put out a Vein record and sell you know a million copies, but he also does these things of records that he grew up loving and all that sort of stuff. So like, I was super stoked to do it, and then it was kind of like, like months upon months of being like, yeah, 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 well, let me get you that number over at such and such, and then it never happened. Uh, is there a plan now? Do you want to get the re- records reissued somewhere else, or is it just the it is what it is right now. Well, I mean, I think the ownership is back to Truskill slash or new Truskill, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, Bullet Tooth. It, is it so Bullet Tooth? He's keeping Bullet Tooth, which is a terrible fucking name for a label. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, uh, last I saw, Josh was running a label called Bullet Tooth. I don't know if that's changed at all. Yeah, that's what, when he had to like hand over a Truskill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Truskill got. Trustkill got absorbed by Sony, but then I think he walked away from that entire thing, and now he's just doing Bullet Tooth. Right, but I think he was trying to get some of the Trustkill catalog because it was just sitting somewhere. Yeah, so I think he was trying to get some of them back. Ah, you know, but it's like so many of them had already been, like Poison the Well had reissued like Tear from the Red and and yeah, you know, opposite of December and stuff. So it's like he he's I think he's trying to start restart Trustkill. Like it's on new bands, but like if you don't have any of the cachet of your old label, yeah, it's kind of tough. That that seems like it might not be the best idea. Yeah, I think you know it's like it's if you want a newer band, say like um, I'm trying to think like like Foreign Hands. Have you heard that band, Foreign Hands? Yeah, I love that band. Great band. They do a they have a this stay forward ripoff shirt, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I think if if say if they were looking for a label, if if Trustkill was still around, like that was that's like right in their fucking wheelhouse. Yeah. But if you could be like, hey, you know, we're reissuing opposite December and fucking every 18 Visions record or whatever, people of that age group would be stoked and be stoked to be part of that label. Yeah. So I think that's like his big selling point is just sort of like you could be label mates with Poison the Well. Well, I mean, hopefully they've sorted out uh, whatever else was going on before. Yeah. I mean, I think it was it was typical like record company bullshit. Yeah. That it was just like, I can't believe all this money. And then it's like. Then all of a sudden, like the 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 torrent stopped immediately. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, I've been living, you know, way above my means, not realizing it. Yeah, my personal theory. This is just my personal theory. It just seems like a cash flow problem. Like a bunch of money came in, got mismanaged, and then it was like a Rob Peter to pay Paul thing. Like, uh, okay, we only have X amount of dollars. Three bands are going on tour. Okay, let's give it to this band. These two bands are getting fucked, and it was just playing this game until it all collapsed yeah and i think sooner or later like sony became like a creditor and was like we're just gonna take this <laughs> like they usually they take your car yeah they repo your car they repo his label 
Yeah. That's from what I was, that's my understanding. I never got involved because it was like one of those things. Like I didn't expect anything from putting out records anyway. I just wanted, you know, I didn't expect to make money from it. Yeah. You didn't get that. You didn't have any problems during that whole thing. Did you? During the Truskill days? During the Truskill heyday trouble days? No, you know, it was funny. I was talking about this with Justin. It was one of those things that we'd be like, you know what? We sell a decent amount of records. Like we should we be getting, and then we'd be like, like we'd go back and be like, Hey, you know, we sold X, you know, should, we never got like any kind of pay, like any kind of um, invoices or anything, but it would always be like, oh, but remember you took like 200 shirts for tour. Yeah. And then it would be like, oh, I guess that's right. But it's not right. That's not the math did not work out, but no one ever thought like we were like dumb punk rock kids that were like, that sounds all right. I mean, we took 200 shirts, but those shirts, co- you know, 200 shirts cost $800 <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we were, but we were sort of, you know, you took a box of CDs on that tour. Oh, all right. Yeah, you don't you don't know what's going on. Like I I might th- at that age I might think to ask one question like, "Hey, why is this happening?" But then when they snap back with, "Oh, you took the shirts." I'd be like, "Okay." Yeah, we're like, "Oh, that makes sense." Yeah, I mean, and we did sell those. So I guess that's, you know, that's how yeah. we got paid or whatever, but It's not like you're going to ask one question and they're like, "All right, here's your money." Yeah, like you got me. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> that's not the way it happens. No, no. Well, Tom, let's recap. Now, most precious blood will not be playing Furnace Fest. Sadly not. But we hope we hope to have you on next year's Furnace Fest. Yes? Yes. Uh already spoke to Ryan. He's gonna reach out at the end of this year and we're gonna figure something out. Perfect. What other gigs are coming up? Can we see you before then? Uh November twenty sixth in Brooklyn with Integrity and Warthog and All Out War. Yes. So we have to go to that to our listeners. We want to attend that show. And of course we can hear you every week on the Axe to Grind podcast. If anyone listening has not heard the show Tom's description that he said he's heard of sports radio, but in the world of hardcore is accurate. That's what I like about it because it it reminds me of, you know, I would be in the car with my dad and he would listen to these AM talk radio sports shows. And I, I, I love the format, even though I don't care about sports. I just like the conversation and I like the topics you guys cover. I like the conversation. I like everything you're doing. It's great. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's like, it's, it, other people like I've had people like like yeah I listen to it but, like my partner's in the car has no idea but like they they think it's funny you know it's like it's just bull- three idiots talking about st- stuff it's not always hardcore sometimes it's about movies or po- current events and me and Pat yelling at each other about that sort of stuff it's you know it's a little bit of everything well Tom uh, I appreciate you I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, I look forward to seeing you again so thank you thank you for your time. Thank you, Keith. I'll talk to you soon, and I'll see you next time Vadim Taver, the tour, comes through. That's right. We got to get it done. That's it. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Tom Sheehan. Wow. Excellent conversation. Honestly, you know, as I was editing that episode and listening back to it, I realized that I couldn't even comprehend the fact that there were two most precious bloods at first. Like it took a minute for that to sink in. And I had so many questions like the two most precious bloods share members. I think Tom said there was a different drummer, but how do we have a conversation? How do we decide which singer we're going to get? How do we decide which band we're booking? Like, it was so confusing. And I was like, oh my God, I could have done 30 minutes just on that. So it seems like just the Tom Most Precious Blood is a band now. So 
that takes care of that right there. And look, that was a really entertaining conversation. Tom does not hold back the things he had to say, and he was very upfront about you know his experiences with his bands and leaving and coming back and just his label experiences, everything very forthcoming, awesome conversation. And I know Tom through my friend Vadim, who has been on the show a number of times. He's just a really nice person. So thank you so much, Tom, for coming on the show. That was great. So let's check in. Me and you, how are we doing? How are we doing? This week has been okay. I went to Synthicide again Wednesday night at St. Vitus. That's a Wednesday night thing they do. I don't know if it's every week or once a month. I'm not sure, but they have post-punk bands play, and I've gone a couple times. I went again this week and saw Aberdeen Sky. They were good. Catherine Moan. She was great. That's She's like a pop artist. It's just her up on the stage with the backing tracks, but she really sells it and it's confident and it's awesome. She stole the show as far as I'm concerned. Awesome. And French Police headlined. They're a new post-punk band. Really dug them as well. They looked good. They sounded good overall. It was really nice. And I like that synthesized thing. You know, I don't listen to a ton of that music, the newer post-punk stuff, but I've gone a couple times and I dig it. Last time I went was when I saw it was Catherine Moan opening and I missed her at that gig. So I'm glad I caught her this week because she was fantastic. House of Harm played direct support and I've seen them twice now. They are a really awesome new band and I'm actually going to end the show with a clip of one of their songs today. So if you're listening to this anywhere except YouTube, you'll hear that. They're really good and Soft Kill headlined. That was a fantastic show. So if you're in Brooklyn and you dig post-punk music, go to Synthesize. You'll like it. And otherwise, everything is good. You know, I have felt extra anxious lately, and I have felt extra lethargic lately. I, I, The only thing I can chalk it up to is the change in season. You know, fall is my favorite season. October in New York City is my favorite time and place of the year, but I feel how I feel. You know, I don't know what the deal is, but I'm pushing myself to get re-energized. There's a lot going on with the podcast. We're on a push with some new things, and I feel rejuvenated. I'm going, I'm going to be kicking into high gear again. There's going to be a lot of awesome guests. There's going to be a lot of awesome things coming up. We sold out of large shirts. The Life is Music is Life long sleeve. We sold out of the large size. That made me feel really good. People are buying it. It's awesome. Oh, so make sure you get a long sleeve while you can. You know, there's limited amounts in each size. You want that shirt, especially now that it's getting cold. So yeah, podcast is going great. Life is going great. I haven't been streaming because I got into this mindset where I felt like anytime I had to play a video game, I had to be streaming because it's like, you know, produce, produce, market everything. Everything has to be something. So I found myself not playing video games anymore because like, oh, I want to play a game, but if I play a game, I have to stream, but I don't want to stream. So I would just do nothing. So I'm just dropping streaming for right now. I'm only going to do it when I feel like it. And I'm just going to play games on my own time because that's how I unwind. And I don't want to turn it into this stressful thing, which I'm doing. I mean, that's about it. That's about it. It's just another week here in my life, but everything is great. More exciting stuff coming up with the podcast more top-tier guests. I'm excited, and I am happy that you are here with me. So that's it for this episode. We are out of time, but I'm back next week with a new episode. 
and a new guest. So I'll see you then. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time. Thank you.